This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month, January 2021. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. With me today to discuss the key aspects of this latest report is Stephen Smith, AI Group's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy. I'm Tony Melville, Head of Corporate Affairs at AI Group. The IR bills before the Federal Parliament at the top of the policy agenda this year and what Canberra will be focusing on over the next couple of months. There are many issues dealt with in it and discussed in great detail in this latest report, but we'll go through the top few, maybe the top four of those issues. Um, We might start with the development of the bill and the Senate inquiry and the likely timing. So where are we at with the bill? It's gone to the House and what's next? Yeah, it's been referred to a Senate committee inquiry. So that uh, inquiry is going on. Submissions are due by the 5th of February. Then there'll be a process of public hearings uh, leading up to a report from that inquiry back to Parliament on the 12th of March. Now, Parliament is sitting in that week commencing the 15th of March. So the earliest that this bill could be passed by Parliament is that week commencing the 15th of March, but uh, at this stage it's uh, unclear exactly when it will be debated and voted on. Okay. Is is there any indication from the crossbench in the Senate as to where it might go or will there be a lot of horse trading? Uh, There's bound to be quite a lot of focus on this bill. This is the most significant IR reform bill since the Fair Work Act came in uh, 10 years or so ago. So the crossbenchers are going to want to be heavily involved in the process and no doubt there will be some amendments uh, through the parliamentary process. Okay. So, and when that is passed, that's it? It won't be delayed by months? It'll, it'll come into force immediately? It will come into force quite quickly when it's passed, but uh, hopefully that will be quite soon because these are really critical changes to the IR system. The bill's called the Fair Work Amendments Supporting Australia's Jobs and Economic Recovery Bill. And the title highlights that this bill is part of the recovery from the pandemic. Right, okay. So uh, at the the top of the list of top issues in that bill, and one that has been a lot of focus for us over the last couple of years, is the issue around casuals and definitions of casuals and the upcoming High Court appeal in the Workplace Rosato case. So will this bill hopefully once and for all settle that and what are we hoping to get out of the bill? You know, the, the bill is designed to address the problems that have been caused by the WorkPAC versus Rosato decision of the Federal Court and the earlier WorkPAC versus Skeen uh, decision. Now these Uh, decisions have created so much uncertainty and cost risk because the federal court has decided that you may be engaged as a casual and paid as a casual, but you're not necessarily a a casual. And the the key phrase that the federal court has uh, identified as the basis for the definition of casual employment is whether the employer has made a firm advance commitment to continuing an indefinite work according to an agreed pattern of work, which is is, is quite a 
a vague concept uh, and the court has decided that you've got to look at particular indicia to work out whether that test is satisfied. Now, this bill defines that key phrase and uh, identifies that a court, uh, if there was ever a challenge, can only really look at four key things. You know, the first one, whether the employer can elect to offer work and whether the employee can elect to accept or, or reject work, whether the person works only as required, whether the employment's described as casual employment and whether the person's entitled to a casual loading or a specific casual rate of pay. So it does go a long way towards defining who is a casual employee for the purposes of the Fair Work Act, including you know, annual leave and sick leave, redundancy pay, et cetera, making it clear that casuals don't get those uh, entitlements that the casual loading's been paid in lieu of. But would it be smart for employers now to be looking at their casual workers and perhaps you know, redoing contracts or uh, doing contracts for new employees that follow those four principles? It would be very wise to do that, particularly for new casuals. Uh, there's nothing to stop an employer right away making it clear that all casual employees are engaged under a, a written contract of employment, uh, making it clear that in that written document, the offer of employment is as a casual employee specifying the casual loading, making it clear that the employer isn't making any firm advance commitment to continuing and indefinite work, and uh, you know the other elements that were were mentioned uh, a moment ago. You know that the employer can elect to offer work, and the employee can elect to accept or reject work. So, so that's, is that something we're helping out? Whether we've got some template agreements. <laughs> Um, we have distributed information to members about that, but this will all be a lot clearer when the bill is, is passed because part of the requirements in the bill is that employers will be required to give employees a casual employment information statement which will include that definition and various other aspects. So there should be no uncertainty about the nature of the engagement. Okay. Now, another aspect of that bill under the casual listing is casual conversion. So what's the likely change there? Yeah, this will have quite significant implications because most awards and a lot of enterprise agreements have casual conversion provisions where employees have the right to request uh, conversion to permanent employment and an employee uh, you know, an employer has the right to refuse on reasonable grounds. These provisions in the bill will go into the national employment standards, so they'll override any inconsistent provisions in awards or enterprise agreements. So all of the awards will need to be amended to make sure they're consistent with the legislative changes. But essentially, if an employee's been employed by an employer for at least 12 months and during the last six months of that period, the employee worked a regular pattern of hours, then they're entitled to uh, be offered uh, conversion. But, you know, the issue of reasonable refusal and, you know, reasonable, uh, you know, reasons for reasonably not offering uh, conversion is still there. Okay. And size of company? Um, it, it applies to all companies. Okay. Yeah. So the, the second big issue being dealt with 
in the bill, the IR bill, as modern awards. So that's going to increase some flexibility for employers and employees on uh, some modern awards. So what's the detail on that? Yeah, unfortunately, the bill only applies to what's called identified modern awards. So there's about 12 or so of these, and they include awards like the Retail Award and the Hospitality Award, um, you know, industries that are seen as particularly distressed as a result of the pandemic. Um, now, there are many that are not on the list that are, are, uh, are distressed, and we're hoping to achieve some changes to the bill to increase the list of awards that this flexibility will apply to. But where one of these identified modern awards apply, there'll be some new flexibilities, uh, three in particular. One, the ability to offer increased hours to part-time employees, and they can work uh, up to the limits of a, a full-time employee without payment of overtime penalties. Now, there's some um, parameters around that, and also the ability to direct employees to work at a different location to the normal location, and the ability to direct an employee to work different duties uh, as long as they're reasonable. So the last two there are similar to the provisions that were in the JobKeeper, or are currently in the JobKeeper uh, changes to the Fair Work Act. Okay, and there's a few. It is it is fairly limited, isn't it? Business Equipment Award, a Meat Industry Award, we've got some members in that area, Pharmacy Industry Award. I don't know if the pharmacy industry would be struggling, but it's probably happy to be in there. Yes, essentially those industries are industries that are retail or hospitality okay. industries. That's uh, why the list is there. Okay, great. And um, and I assume that over the next few years that we'll be pushing to try and extend that list, see if this goes through. Yes, um, the government can add to the list through regulations, but Excellent. at the moment there's no indication of any additional awards. Uh, and you could see that from a negotiation point of view. You, these ones will be in the bill, whereas the others can be added later. It means you can do your negotiation and then make the changes later without having to deal with crossbench difficulties. Yes, hopefully the government would add to that list, but ideally the parliament will increase that list because, okay. you know, take the aviation industry, there's no more industry distressed mm. than that and it's not on the not list. On the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, the third issue of the four we're going to talk about here in brief, enterprise agreements. There's some important changes on enterprise agreements in the bill. What will they be? Yes, there's a whole raft of changes to the enterprise agreement provisions uh, of the Act. And the, fr the framework uh, and the background to this is that if you go back 10 years, there were 25,000 enterprise agreements in Australia. Today, there's less than 10,000. So there's not even half as many enterprise agreements as there were 10 years ago. And the workforce is, is much bigger. So something is broken in the system. And uh, that is that it is an absolute minefield to get an enterprise agreement these days approved by the Commission in the terms that it was agreed upon. And most enterprise agreements that are lodged are not approved without undertakings given by the employer that effectively change the terms of the agreement. So there's no one big ticket item here that's going to 
uh, fix up all the problems, but a whole raft of uh, different changes. You know, a more workable, better off overall test where the Commission won't be able to look at hypothetical kinds of work and shift patterns and so on, uh, a requirement that the Commission will have to approve agreements within 21 days other than in exceptional circumstances and lots of other changes around, um, you know, the explanation process for the enterprise agreement and uh, the cohort of casuals that need to vote on the agreement, uh, much more clarity and simplicity in the process. Okay. Oh, that sounds, that's, that sounds like it will lead to more enterprise agreements. Do we think there will be a lot more uh, under those changes? It hopefully will lead to more of an incentive for employers and employees to reach uh, enterprise agreements rather than this huge barrier that is there at the moment where some very large employers have abandoned the enterprise agreement making system because it just got too hard. So, uh, you know, genuine enterprise agreements can, of course, deliver, uh, you know, generous wage increases for employees, but offset by agreed productivity improvements. So they can be a real win-win outcome if the system works. Sounds good. Okay, and the final issue in the bill that we'll just talk about here briefly, compliance and enforcement. It's going to make significant changes to the compliance and enforcement provisions in the Fair Work Act. Yes, there are probably three big issues here. One is new criminal penalties for serious and deliberate uh, underpayments. Uh, imprisonment for four years or $1.11 million financial penalties for individuals uh, and for bodies corporate, um, more than $5 million in, in uh, penalties under these criminal provisions. Now, importantly, the bill has provisions which clarify that it's intended to cover the field and knock out the application of uh, laws that have gone through in Victoria and Queensland, which uh, impose a much harsher regime of criminal penalties on employers. Um, you know, we, we are continuing to oppose these criminal penalties. We don't think it is the way to go, but uh, the government seems determined to uh, push ahead with this, and the bill includes a, a significant section on, on criminal penalties for dishonest uh, and systematic uh, underpayments. So that's the first issue. The, the second issue goes to civil penalties. And, uh, you know, we already have quite hefty civil penalties, of course, in the Fair Work Act, but those penalties are going to be increased by 50%. And for larger businesses, uh, there will be new provisions if this bill goes through that will enable courts to impose penalties on uh, bodies corporate, you know, larger companies in particular, that are based on the value of the benefit received by the employer. So if the employer saved uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars from underpaying people, then the penalty could be based on a multiple of the hundreds of millions of dollars. So you know, this could be very, very um, significant in terms of the penalties that could be awarded. Um, the, the third area is a, another big change where there is a small claims jurisdiction at the moment in the Federal Circuit Court. The 
barrier for access to that is being increased from 20,000 to 50,000. But the big change is that there will be a new jurisdiction for the Fair Work Commission to deal with underpayment matters um, by conciliation and uh, by agreement uh, through arbitration under this small claims jurisdiction. So uh, that could be quite a significant change to the IR system. Some big changes heading our way in that IR bill. And we'll be keeping you up to date as the year progresses. And uh, there'll obviously be some webinars on specific issues as we go. And, and we'll get into some of the other issues, such as the vaccine. And uh, we'll be doing some webinars and some other communications on those sorts of issues later in the year. So thanks very much, Steve Smith. And uh, I'm Tony Melville, our group's Head of Corporate Affairs. And a reminder, the full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au and the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. That's all for now. See you next time. Mm -hmm.